Welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson, Honor, and Sims. Thanks for tuning in. We're here to celebrate today the fact that I completed my 1975-76 Topps hockey set finally. I got the Pitt Martin and the Wayne Cashman that I needed. All 330 cards. It's near mint. Uh, all in individual holders, Charlie. I am so excited that it's finally done. And the in, and the and the buyer of that set is with us here on the on the uh, podcast. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Bobby Orr was still with the Bruins. Uh, he wasn't with the Blackhawks yet. Uh, everybody remembers, of course, his tenure with the Blackhawks. Uh, no, he to join us uh, is is absolutely one of my favorite guys, uh, Kelsey Wilson. Kelsey, uh, good to talk to you. Good to see you. How's everything going today? Pretty good, Aaron. Not too bad. Uh, just. Uh just out cruising around i'm actually helping a friend try to find a dog it's been uh, gone for a couple hours here so i figured i'd uh, just drive the area and see if i could find it and that's if, basically all i'm doing if anybody knows the area better than you i don't know who that would be that's what you do is that's you your job out, yeah you scout yeah, areas now no that's 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 kind of what i do yeah i'm uh, i basically work in an office and and do dispatch and background checks for like conservation officers uh in Ontario, which is like the same as the DNR, I believe it's called in the States, or it is in Michigan anyways. Um, so yeah, I know, I know the geography pretty good. Um, and yeah, I'm just out driving around, seeing if I can uh, call the thing out. What kind of dog is it? It's, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like a boxer uh, mix, brownish colored. Okay. Well, not, not the most, not the most enjoyable day, way to start a day, is it? <laughs> No big deal. I'm sure it'll come back. Yeah. Well, that's well, got to have a got to have a positive attitude. Just like after you take a loss in a hockey game, you got to look forward to the next one, right? That's it. You got to put it behind you and you just got to look to the next game and bounce back. There's so many positive moments that I can, I think of in your career and the one that always leaps to mind first and foremost um, is the Admirals are down three games to two in 2011 and you show up with your uh, white hat and white belt and white shoes and yeah. your suit and uh, it, it it rallied the boys to, well you scored the game winner in that game in overtime too less than a minute in but uh, it, it, uh, it, it your positivity and your keeping it loose and, and all of that stuff it was uh, it was a good time yeah I know that's just what I like to do Aaron is uh, when things were kind of tense in the room there you try to loosen things up a bit especially during playoff time guys are gripping their sticks a bit tighter and you know are fumbling pucks a little bit more because they're nervous cause a little bit more on the line and whatnot but uh but yeah I remember that one game you're talking about I just wore my beige suit and white shoes white belt just to just to kind of brighten the day a little bit but uh I didn't know I was going to bring myself luck and get the winner but hey it worked did you notice in your career were there teams like that 2011 team specifically and the 09 team for that matter uh, those two teams that you were on there were so good and so tuned up for the playoffs. And um, you were on some good teams other than that as well. But was there a different mood on those teams, those 09 and 11 teams, than there was on the others? Did you know you were better? Were you better? Uh, or was it, I, I don't know, was it mental? Was it physical? What, why were those two teams better than, than the other two teams you played on in Milwaukee? Um, I think it probably had a lot to do with leadership those two years. Um, I think that has a lot to do with, with teams that have success in the playoffs. You know what I mean? There's always a couple guys that, you know, that pull the boys in the right direction. So 
I remember correctly, I think like we had like Alex Henry as, as our captain that one year. And then the, the next year was Yonkman. And those are two pretty big intimidating guys. And if those guys are doing the right things, normally the team, the team falls behind in stride. Right. So, um, and then of course uh, we had other character guys on the team too, that were our assistant captains, Fordo, um, myself one year I was I helped out a little bit and when you're given that letter you're given that role you you take honor in it and and you try to lead in the right directions and and yeah I really do think that's why we had success those years is uh, we had the right people uh, you know at the helm I guess you could say. What does that mean for you? I mean you came up your rookie year you play for Claude Noel uh, Lane Lambert was in his first year as an assistant and he came in very late in the process. Lane, I don't think it was the middle of the summer when Lane yeah. was hired, Charlie, wasn't it? Don't yeah, that's, that's towards correct. July, right. I believe, right. than it was June or May or something. So Lane is brand new to the organization uh, the same year you were. So there's some learning going on. But what does it mean to you then that you become a uh, part of the leadership core as time goes on under Lane? Well, I mean, I took honor in it for sure. Um, and I liked Lane so much as a coach that, like, I would do anything for the guy type thing. And, and, and the one thing you don't want to do for somebody that you'd go through a wall for is disappoint them, right? So so you, you try to do the right thing. You know, you, you try not to stay out, whatever, the night before games with the guys a little bit later. You know, you, you try to do the right thing, you know, eat this, you know, maybe not have a beer the night before a game. And, you know, because you want to be a leader. You want to help the team succeed because – you know, if the team has success, then everybody has success individually as well. So you can see Lane was a good coach. He's gone on and has had great success in his life. And so I have a lot of people I've played with. And Yonks had a long career. Fordo had a long career. Um, Alex Henry had a long career. And those guys are, those guys were good role models. You mentioned, I'm sorry, Charlie, uh, you mentioned Hank a couple of times, Alex Henry now. Uh, he obviously had an impact on you because when we talk, Unfortunately, there's so many players over the 50 years of Admirals hockey, uh, and and Hank was uh, kind of the speak softly, carry a big stick type. So we we tend to overlook Hank a little bit because of that. But my goodness, what a presence he was! No, oh, absolutely, and uh, not a lot of people know this, but he was actually the captain in the National Hockey League for the uh, Minnesota right, yeah, for the Wild. Minnesota. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the year I believe because their coaching staff they they circulated the captain monthly. They did. They they couldn't focus on one guy. So that guy was the captain in the NHL. And then he came down to us, I think it was a year or two later. And, and yeah, so, I mean, he, he was a good presence. There's one other guy too. I'm missing my rookie year was Sheldon Brookbank had a lot. Of, oh, sure. He was the a, AHL a, uh, blue, blue liner of the month. They had uh, defenseman yeah. of the year. I mean, not the month, the year. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. That guy, he, like, I saw him, I was a rookie. So I, I was growing a lot as a rookie, like a sponge, absorbing everything, taking everything in. But then I watched him, you know, he was later in his career and, 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 and to still, you know, have the drive and, and the will and, and become the best defenseman in the league that year was awesome to see. And he was a great leader too. I, I, I'm just, you know, when I you think about Brookbank about too, when you think about Brookbank too, and you, and he wasn't 20 years old, 21 years old, he wasn't a prospect uh, and still, anymore, really. And, and still, the best was yet to come for him, which is inspiring, right? I mean, he wins a Stanley Cup after his time in Milwaukee. So he's pushing 30 by the time he becomes a semi-regular in the NHL. Absolutely. And that's, and that's kind of me, too. Like, I was, I was a bit of a later bloomer towards, you know, uh, I mean, I came in younger, but 
if I were to have success, if I were to play games in the NHL, it would have been around when I was 25, 26, 27, and it didn't happen. And that's okay. But I kind of saw that in Sheldon as well. I looked up to him and, uh, and yeah, he was, he was a great leader to have my first year in the American Hockey League. So how did you end up in Milwaukee? You, you have a, a successful uh, career in, uh, in the OHL and uh, you're a free agent, you're undrafted. How, does, uh, how do you end up with the, in the Nashville organization? And did you think you were going to be drafted when you were 18, 19? Uh, there was a chance I was going to go in the last round. I think back then there was nine rounds in the NHL. Uh, my agent at the time was a guy named Roly Thompson. Um, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great name. Roly Thompson. Sounds, I, I bet he wore a beige suit with white pants. Uh, no, actually, believe it or not, I think he's Roman Yossi's agent, or he was anyways up until a few years ago uh, because he recruited me in Guelph. Uh, Roly Thompson's from Guelph, so when I was playing hockey in Guelph, he found me there, and that's when I had my good year. My 19-year-old year, year uh, in the OHL was my best year. I had 70 points in 65 games or whatever, and I still had a lot of pins. So that year, Nashville saw me. Oh, sorry, back to the draft question. Uh, yes, my agent told me there was a chance I was going to go in the ninth round that year. Obviously, I slipped through, didn't get drafted as an 18-year-old uh, or 19-year-old. And then uh, I just basically go to a rookie camp in Nashville. They basically invite me to a, a mini camp in like June or July um, and show well at that mini camp. And from that mini camp, they invite me back to main camp and I show well at main camp. And that's where they offer me a three-year three entry-level contract. So I didn't sign no contract in the summertime. I went into basically this whole situation cold looking for turkey. a job my, wow. looking for a job my contract was offered to me I think like I was in Nashville's camp as a 20 year old and then um, they reassigned me to Milwaukee but I'd shown well and then from there they decided to sign me to a, a two-way NHL entry level 500 the night, over oh, the, the, the night I met you I don't think you were signed yet were you it was an exhibition game at the Kern Center and I and you were there with your parents and we were standing in the corner on the north side of the rink in the, in the corner there. And But I don't believe you had signed yet, right? No, no, I wasn't. I don't think I was signed at the time. I was potentially in negotiations because I, I remember leaving leaving Nashville and getting sent down. There were some positive, positive things said to me. Um, but, of course, they always give you the old, you know, we'll talk to your agent. We'll see what we can do. And then, of course, my agent, yeah, I guess a couple of days later, said, yeah, they're prepared to give you an entry-level offer. It's, not super super high but hey you you to the foot, it's your foot in the door right that's all it is so yeah i'm curious what are those what did they tell you like it's it's not common for even back you know 10 uh 10 12 15 years ago it's not common for guys to come in uh uh on a tryout basis and make the team uh so what what did they tell you what did they say go down to milwaukee and, and work on and uh and that led to a contract? Um, well, they liked my attitude. They liked my character. Uh, they knew I could, they knew I could, I could score goals because I'd, I'd done it in junior. Um, the only thing that they wanted me to work on was basically my foot speed uh, and just to keep my fitness up to par. And if I could do that, then they thought I could, you know, have an impact in hockey. So that's what I did. I went down, I worked my, worked my butt off and, uh, the coach that year was Claude Noel. I'm sure he had a big, a big influence on, you know, me signing or whatever. But, um, but I think he liked me as a player and he gave me a good opportunity. He, you know, he put me in the lineup and he gave me a chance. And I guess I, you know, I tried first couple games. I think I scrapped a couple times or you know what I mean. And was hitting and doing whatever I had to do just to stick around. And 
they worked. I, that the first game of your rookie year, I remember very well. Uh, not because of you were in it, but we got shellacked. We got smoked six or seven to one by Omaha. Uh, and I, and from what I understand, I, I don't, I, I haven't corroborated this. We're down three to one after the first period of, of the first game of the season. And, uh, uh, somebody in the locker room, one of the players gets up and is like, come on guys, what are you doing? And starts yelling at the guys after 20 minutes of play in the first game. And Claude says that he's got to go down in there and being like, Hey, chill out, right? We got a lot of hockey to go the rest of the yeah. year. Do you remember that? Oh, I vaguely remember that. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if it's the first game of the year and we're down, whatever, three zip after two or 20 minutes, I, I could see Claude doing that coming in after one of the guys yelling. I could see him definitely come in. Hey, calm down, calm down. But at the same time, Claude could get worked up too when he was, uh, when he was angry. Yeah. Were you, uh, were you in the locker room when Claude – I think it was this year also when he uh, was yelling at the guys and his tooth came out, his false tooth came out <laughs> flying across the room. <laughs> I don't remember that, but, uh, but uh, no, I don't remember that. Yeah. I, see that happening. I, I know it was that year because Lane tells the story and he sees yeah. it. And you know, Lane as intense as any guy ever. And he says, he's trying not to break, break face because he sees the tooth <laughs> go flying across. Yeah. And, and they got to uh, be mad because we're playing like shit, probably. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, you, uh, your rookie year, you had 15 fights. I'm just looking it up now. The first one was Boris Volobic. Oh, yes. Chicago, huh? October 14th. Yeah. With, 12 seconds to go, with 12 seconds to go in the game. Yeah, that's right. I remember that game, actually. I think Brookbank fought in that game just before. I think Brookbank fought DeVoe, so I think that kind of got me fired up a bit. I'm not sure if that was the same game or not, but uh, something got me fired up. And I remember I'd fought in Valabic the year before in junior, and uh, he'd hit me pretty good on the button one time and he broke my nose a little bit. So I wanted to go him again. That's kind of what that one was. And it was it was early in the season, early in my career, and I knew I had to make a name for myself. So... Whoever was out there willing to scrap, I was I was willing to go. The list, you, you Boris, and you're not a you're not a small yeah. guy, a short guy, but Boris but, is huge. You fought John Scott later that year. You had a couple tilts, I think. Your second fight was Mike Brown, who was a tough dude. Yeah. I mean, this, oh yeah. yeah. You didn't shy away. Warren Peters is one of the best two way players to play in this league in the last fifteen years. I mean, that's yeah. you got a pretty good card here, man. Well, I just had to do what I had to do to stick around. <laughs> and eat, so that. <laughs> but you, but you uh, also, the, you just can't go around like the days, even by the time you started playing 15 years ago, the days were gone where you just, you know, where you, you couldn't skate, you couldn't play, but you could fight. Like those guys weren't around anymore. So you had to, you had to be able to play and you had to be able to choose the right time to fight as well. You had to learn that, right? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of was, yeah, you're, when I was kind of turning pro, all the tough guys were basically getting filtered out around that time. You had to be able to skate, pass, shoot the puck. You couldn't just fight anymore. So, yeah, I worked on my game. Uh, I worked on my game just as much as I, I guess you could say I worked on, on my fighting too. I mean, in the summertime, the training we would do, as much quick feet in that and agility and all that we would do, I would also box and hit like, like a dummy and 
scrap with my trainer a little bit here and that just to practice, uh, keep your shoulder strength up, keep your quick hands going. Yeah, it was different type of training. Where, when in your junior career did you learn to fight? And did you, th th you thought to yourself, you know, I can, I'm okay. I'm good at this. I'm decent at this. It's like, cause like we said, you're not a small guy, but you're not Nolan Yankman, right? You're not, you're not right. as, as Scott Ford. You're a little bit shorter than that. And probably you're out the balance too. Yeah. And, all this. and awesome. I had to fight Yonks too one year, that friggin' guy. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I guess, so what happened was I was drafted by the Sarnia Sting in the fifth round when I was 15. Yep. And the, in the OHL, only your top two, first two round picks can play. But Sarnia really liked me. They liked how I worked or whatever. So they brought me down to Sarnia to play Junior B for their Sarnia Blast, they were called at the time. I think they're the Legionnaires again or something like that. But anyways, the Sting's affiliate team in Sarnia, the Junior B team, I went there to play. And that year... I was a young guy, but it was a pretty tough league. Uh, we wore full cages, but you were allowed to fight. Um, you just had to leave that game. You were allowed to come back the next game. So you end up, you do your fighting in the third period or whatever. Um, so that year I had 16 scraps in whatever, 50 games. So that was kind of when I was 16 years old. And of course, those guys are all older than me. They're up to 20 years old. And I did okay in a couple of those, right? So once I did okay in a couple of those, the Sarnia's thing are looking down in the, on the junior B team when I'm, I'm, I'm 16 years old, I'm still a kid. So I do okay in a couple scraps, but now you have that stereotype or that name as, as a guy that's kind of the fighter, right? So bang, right from 16 years old on is how it kind of started. Did you have to fight your first training camp? In the NHL? In, in NHL, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I had to, but or, I know I mean, I did not had to, but did you? I, I, I don't know, like in camp, I know, I, I know I went after, I know I went after two, two, one year and he declined because he had nothing to lose and I had everything to gain type right. thing. You know what I mean? Right. It was, it was his job in the show. Had I heard him or beat him a little bit, you know, I'm not saying I would have taken his job, but I maybe would have earned respect. So I know I went after him once like in camp during an inner squad game, um, but he didn't want to go. So that never happened. Um, but then I, I remember I played uh, an exhibition game, I think my second year uh, in Carolina, I was playing for Nashville. Um, and uh, I think I fought a guy that game. When yeah. you fight in camp, and we've heard stories of this in the past. I remember, was it Tristan Grant fighting Josh Gratton or whoever the, Darcy Hortichuk maybe it was down in Nashville, the one training camp. But I mean, when you, when stuff like that happens and you're trying to, like you say, get on the radar and, and all of that. I mean, how do you psych yourself out that you, Oh boy, today or tomorrow at practice, I got to take two, two, I got to do stuff like that. Uh, it is mentally draining sometimes when you're going to add to something. Because, uh, because when all is said and done, you're probably getting dressed next to this guy afterwards and you got to, you know, he knows you want his job. I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing. Yeah. It's not easy, man. It's not easy for sure. Like uh, there's some training camps where, like even going into Milwaukee from year to year. Well, in Milwaukee, my, my first year, I, I knew I had to fight or do whatever it took. But even my second year, I was a little bit nervous about sticking around. You know, you don't have, no positions guaranteed in pro hockey. Right. So even my second year going into camp, I'm thinking like, shit, do I got to fight Yonks in camp? You know, Fordo's on the red team. I'm on the white team. Uh, 
do I got to fight Tristan Grant? Do I got to fight, you know, any of these guys, you know, because that goes through my mind because something happens in camp. You got to do it. You got to do what you got to do. Right. It's just part right. of the game. If yeah. I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this was in Nashville, Yonks and Hugh Jessamine fought. Uh, yes. And I remember that being, uh, being awkward, right? Like, uh, 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 is it awkward when you have to fight a teammate? Like, like Aaron said, you know, I, I, you're, you're getting dressed next to that guy. As much as you want to say, hey, good, good probably scrap. probably had dinner the night before. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that, that's funny you say that, Aaron, because when, I, when, when Yonks was now playing for San Antonio and I was still playing for Milwaukee, it was in San Antonio. It was me and him went out for dinner the night before, and then that little line brawl melee happened. And of course, I'm on the ice with Yonks, and he's got to grab one guy. He's not going to grab a little guy. He's going to grab me. So, did we go? Yeah. Did he hit me a couple times? Oh yeah, I felt those. But he, <laughs> he was pretty good. He was pretty good about it. You know, like he knew he had to. He knew we had to go. But uh, yeah. But you I, gotta, I gotta, you gotta, it, it, it turns into pro wrestling, right? It's you got to make the show look real. Yeah, well, he did hit me. Like he was hitting me, but he, he, I think he could have pounded me. Like kept pounding <laughs> if he wanted to, you know. He give me a couple good ones, but, but it is funny. You're out for dinner the night before, and then you got to fight your friend the next day. I, I know Fordo, Fordo fought Tristan Grant in Grand Rapids a few years ago, and he said that they're. You know, they they give they they go a couple and they're sitting in the uh, penalty box, sort of giggling at each other. Like, but yeah. that's I, I imagine that's different. They're older, they're more established, right? Like, yeah, they fought, but you know, they're 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 late in their careers. It's got to be different for a guy who's in his first or second year to be doing something like that. Yeah, in my first or second year, to be honest, I'm I don't really know. Like, I'm not close with the guys yet. So if it's right. training camp or it's early in the season, then my first or second year, I'm not really making any friends until I make the team. You know what I mean? That was just kind of my mentality, but that's just what I had to do to make the team. And I knew I had to do it because I wasn't the most skilled guy. So I says, if I got to bring, if I can bring a different element to the table, such as toughness or, you know, whatever, whatever it has to take to be on the team and play hockey for a living, I was going to do it. Who who are you living with? Who are your roommates your first, uh, first year in Milwaukee? My first year was me and Cal O'Reilly decided to bunk together. Uh, we live right by the Hilton there, right on, uh, I forget the name of that street. Was it Library Hill that you lived in? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one right there, yeah. Yep. So it was me and Cal lived together, and, and uh, then uh, we brought a goalie in for the last three months of the season, Reed. Oh, Scott Reed, yeah, absolutely. Scott Reed, yeah, he Scott moved Reed in. Scott Reed was a good guy. <laughs> Great guy. Yeah, great guy. So what were, both you and Cal, are, Cal had played with us the, the year before as a black yeah. ace. You got two guys who are 19 years old, living together. Uh, you're billeted when you're in juniors. What was that like? Like, how, how was it? You're, you know, you, you, we know how you did at the rink, but how did you do away from the rink together? I think we did pretty good, man, for first year because uh, do you get on each other's nerves? I mean, absolutely. Like, uh, <laughs> if I leave a couple dishes in the sink, is Cal probably annoyed? Guaranteed. But vice versa as well. You know, if Cal has his pregame meal and decides to go for a nap before doing his dishes, you know, is it annoying? I, it could be. But me and him had a pretty good, pretty good relationship, other than those small little things. Yeah. Oh, he like liked to have the AC on super cold all the time, right? I have to have my sweatshirt on, and that was, that was also. That was also a bit annoying, Cal. No, but me and Cal still, we still get along. Uh, 
he actually, believe it or not, he married a girl here for about a week or two every summer. He was just here last week. She shot me a text message to go hang out with him. Uh, it was just unfortunate I was away. I was away at my own camp. And then when I got back, I had to work and uh, we didn't link up this year. But yeah, when he comes back to the suit, he lets me know. And uh, we do normally see each other. So we still, to this day, keep in touch. That year, that 6 07 season, your rookie season, it was such a change because the ad, there was a group of Darren Hadar and that type of guy, Greg Kloss, and those guys, Brian Finley, uh, that moved on uh, after a four-year run. So their entry-level contracts were up and they took off. Uh, so you kind of ushered in. And when I think of that group, I think of – and I told you this before, but I think of you all collectively. I think of you and, and, uh, and Yonks, for that matter, and – uh, Andreas Thurison and John Vigilante uh, are the guys that I think of in, in that year. Um, it was uh, and the three of you, I guess, you, Vig, and, and Cal would have known each other pretty well from the OHL days, at least playing against one another. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And Vig, he lived, he Vig also lived in Library Hill that year. I think he lived with Bracken Kearns. So I mean, we were. Yeah, there's another guy. Hunt. There's another guy I should think of too. Yeah. Yeah, we all hung out tons that year. Uh, we were super close, man. We we didn't really we didn't really get on each other's nerves that much. We were all kind of just kind of kind of the same kind of the same relaxed type of uh, of guys. And you're all in a similar situation, right? You're none of you are first round draft picks. As a matter of fact, Cal was the only guy who was drafted out of those out of you he's three there. Round. Yeah, he was a fifth rounder. Yeah. Yeah, and so like you're all, you know, it, pretty much the same round and and. Is there ever, we've asked this to other guys, is there jealousy, animosity, not even, but not, it's not really a dislike, but you're, none of you want to be in Milwaukee. You want to all want to be in the NHL. So how do you manage that with the guy getting called up? I mean, you got to be happy for him, but you're also like, geez, that could have been me, right? Yeah, that's, you, no, that's, that's true, Charlie, because there's always going to be competition, you know, like, huh, I, yeah, there's always going to be competition. The only difference between me and I guess Cal and Vidge um, was they were more skilled guys. Skilled guys, and I was sure. more, more of the role players. So, have the, had they got called up ahead of me, which Cal did. Uh, I don't know if Vidge did, but yeah, if Cal did, then Vidge did. Not, I wasn't no, really I that upset. I, yeah, I was happy for Cal. I really was. I really was happy for him. But you know, and there was there was a circumstance. Uh, I think it was my third year pro where. Um, I think it was um, uh, Jordan Tutu had ended up going away to treatment. And, uh, and I thought there was a, a time for me to get called up to the NHL because they needed a role player in Nashville. Uh, actually, it might have been my fifth year after I'd come back from Salzburg. I think it was. Um, uh, and so uh, I talked to Lane that practice. He says, Kelsey, Tutu just, uh, just went away for a bit. And, uh, you know, we don't know what's happening. And anyways, Nashville ended up calling up Chris Mueller. So after that happened, uh, I knew my time was kind of done with with, with that organization because they didn't want me to fill that role up there anymore. And then the following year was my sixth year. I ended up signing with Toronto and playing for the Marlins. Right. So that was my fifth year that that happened to me. Yeah. That, uh, that, that, that we've talked about this so many times that I think teams are wiser now than they were 10 years ago. Right. Like if, if that guy gets hurt, you're not going to bring up the leading scorer from the minor league team to play three and a half minutes on a fourth line where you're supposed to be a pest. Nope, and they used to do that all the time. They used to be, they bring, they call up Cal and they, uh, call up Cal or Mueller and put them on the fourth line and play them two minutes a game. 
those guys aren't used to doing that, man. Nobody any. It doesn't. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's better for it. Nobody. The team isn't better. Nobody. Better. Nobody. Yeah. So it's kind of changed a little bit. Um, did, did I have the opportunity? Absolutely. Did it happen? No. I mean, I I think I played four, maybe five exhibition games total in the NHL, and that's it, Aaron. And uh, but you know what? I got no regrets, man. I got no regrets. I left pretty much everything on the table, and I worked hard, and it just didn't happen. And, and I still had a I still had a hell of a career. I had a lot of fun. I meant to got got a chance to live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for four years. No better place to be than that, you know. So, talk talk to talk to us a little bit. We've mentioned him already, but oh, your relationship with Lane Lambert. Uh, Lane was in Milwaukee for five years, and you were his. Uh, you were there for four of them. Like you two, sort of. I don't want to say came of age together, but basically did. What was Lane like for you, and uh, and, and how did he help your game? Oh, Lane was awesome. Lane was, well, the first thing that comes to mind when, when it comes to Lane is he's a very, very hard worker. So just by, just by us seeing how much video he did and how much passion he had for the game would rub off on us. First, that's the first and foremost. So then you want to work hard for this guy. You want to go through a wall for this guy. So anyways, you see how hard Lane works. You want to work hard for him. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, we just, I don't know, we just, no, it's hard to explain. It's just, it's just, just Lane was, you know, Lane was just a all around hell of a good guy. The uh, it, it's funny when you look at jobs that are open in the NHL, and I don't know how much pretend GMing you do as a former player, uh, if any. But uh, when you see job openings happen, and Lane had a situation with his with his wife that he couldn't uh, just up and take any job. Uh, so I don't know if he was ever a serious candidate because of that. Whatever the reason. Uh, but when you look at him after you knowing him the way you did, it's just mind-boggling that he's never been a head coach in the NHL. I think his time is going to come, but it's just mind-boggling it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you on that one because I've seen some people that have been given head coaching jobs and even the AHL, NHL, some of these guys, and for Lane not to have the chance yet, it, it is mind-boggling. So if it doesn't happen, I'm sure it'll happen soon. I hope so. so. Uh, the we have the 2008-09 team, which is a very good team, uh, losing seven games to uh, to Houston in the second round. And you left after that year. Take us through that decision uh, to go over to Germany. And I don't know if you knew this. You probably did. David Poyle ba- like called you out and said, basically, this is not a good move for this guy's career. I can't believe he's doing it. But then you come back and have – maybe your best year a year later. So talk just talk us through that whole decision and uh, what went into it and what was it like playing in Germany? Yeah, okay. Um, so what happened was uh, after my three-year entry level, uh, the Nashville Predators, they still have your rights at that point, right? Once you sign right. an entry-level contract, the team has your rights for five years. So once my entry level was done, they still basically had me by the neck, right? So my first, I'll just tell my salaries because uh, I don't care. It's long after my career. But my first three years in the minors, I only made $45,000 playing for the Milwaukee Admirals, which right. isn't that much money. But there was a little of a signing bonus there as well. So anyways, now after those three years are done, making that little bit amount of money, they came back and they offered me another another NHL over AHL contract, but the AHL salary was only 50000 So again, still not making that much money. So then I get this offer on the table from Austria, 70,000 euros, 
which is like eighty-five, ninety thousand dollars Canadian with an apartment and a car, and they're promising me tons of ice time, promising me playing for Red Bull. We got this unbelievable facility. We got this. We got that. And they really did. It wasn't bullshit. They had all of that to offer over there. That Red Bull program's pretty, uh, pretty top notch, man. Um, so, anyways, I spoke to my agent, Rolly Thompson. He's got a lot of contacts over there in Salzburg, Austria. And uh, after going back and forth, I'm saying I'm gonna take a little bit more money now too. But it's not just the money. I'm actually gonna go there. I'm gonna work on my game. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna be an Olympic size ice. Uh, I know this doesn't sound like I can do it because I'm kind of the fighter, or whatever, but I can play on this ice. I can score goals. I can do it. So I said, you know what, let's go. So made that decision, went over there and, uh, and ended up having an okay season. I think I scored 20 goals, had a point a game. We won a championship. Uh, and that was my fourth year pro. So then Salzburg offers me. So after that year, Salzburg offers me a, a really good contract, like 120,000 euros. I turned that down to come back to Milwaukee to play for 70,000 US dollars. Yeah. So Poyles, Poyles chirping me the year before for leaving to go there. But then after having a good year there, I did the exact same thing, left that team, and came back came to Milwaukee because I wasn't, I wasn't chasing money per se. I was just trying to make a steady living. My whole, my whole goal in life was to play in the National Hockey League, which is why I came back. I knew I wasn't staying over there forever. I just wanted to do the one year, make a little bit of money, and then I did. I came back, and uh, yeah, and that's what happened, guys. That's, that's the whole story. Uh, first, uh, let me say that you're the first player that I ever interacted with that I actually heard them as a young guy talk about, like, I got to invest this money, right? Like, I just can't be – too many times, and, and you all, all the rookies go through the, the financial training and the life training, but too many guys, it's in one ear and out the other. That was never the case with you. You were thought to yourself, like, I'm making a living right now. I only have a certain number of years to do it. I need to figure out a way to take the money that I'm earning now and, and save it. I can't just be spending it willy-nilly. Sorry, pardon, well, pardon, pardon the phrase willy-nilly, right? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. No, the uh... – well, it's, it, it was pretty easy to figure out after you play your first three years and, uh, and rent in Milwaukee is anywhere between 1000 and $1,500 a month and uh, $45,000 after taxes is only thirty five. So then you pay your rent and you got to live a little bit and you buy a car and you do this, you do that. At the end of the day, when you go back home to Sault Ste. Marie and you got to live for four months and you only got nine grand in the bank, yeah. I mean, uh, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. so sometimes you got to get a summer job, like as a professional athlete, you think it's all glorious and whatnot, but, uh, but it, not, it, it isn't always like that. Um, I think salaries are a little bit higher now, if I'm not mistaken. I know minimum wage was going up when I was there. I was a union rep and I know they kept talking about trying to just raise the minimum a little bit just to help the guys at the bottom survive uh, in the American league. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it has gone up, but it's still not, you know, a t typical guy uh in a, in an entry level deal is uh you know he's probably making sick uh, especially a un, undrafted free agents making 60 65 70 in those three years uh so it's yeah. not it's not a, a, a yeah it's more but it's still you're not living you're not living high on the hog by by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination you're not renting you're not renting penthouse suites uh downtown milwaukee that's for sure <laughs> no definitely not definitely not <laughs> So when you go overseas and you go to Austria, if I remember right, uh, you had told me that Robert Dietrich came down 
to meet with you or to hang out with you for a day. Am I, do, is that correct? Do I, do I remember that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. He did. He, uh, cause when you go overseas, I think I went like July 25th. So you go super early, really early. Right. Yeah. So July 25th was Robert was still part of Nashville. So I was in Austria, he was in Germany, but he was only about two hours away. So yeah, I was there kind of on my own, but we played together the year before in Milwaukee. Right. Oh, so, God, right. so he's like, well, if I come, I come see you, I come see you. So yeah, he drives down we have lunch. We hang out for the whole day and then he goes back and I don't see him. And then that year, I think he came back to North America. And then it was the following year after that, that he went to play in Russia. And then that, that plane crash happened. Yeah. When you're in Germany or not Germany, when you're in Austria, uh, did you get a chance to travel to, to, uh, to go uh, see stuff? Like that's an opportunity that uh, a lot of people don't, you, you know, can, yeah, you went to play hockey, but let take in the sights and everything like that too, breaks. right? Yeah, there are some breaks. And, and even if I remember right there too, I think you told me like your apartment was 500 years old or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, no, both, both are correct. There are breaks. There was a nine day break during the season. It's, it's called the, it's called the national team tryout break. So the best players go try out mid season, but then the tournament happens after the season, right? The, um, so there's a nine day break there where I was able to go travel a little bit. Um, but I did most of my traveling after the season. So we'd won the championship and I stayed there for an extra two or three weeks and just went, I went to Spain, I went to Germany and I went to Italy and I traveled with a few friends and yeah. So while I was over there, I made sure to, to take in the sights. What was your favorite spot? Not to, not to put you on the spot here, but, uh, what was your favorite place that you traveled to, uh, when you were on this, uh, two or three week, uh, you know, journey? Uh, well, the one, the one place I flew to was the, the island of Mallorca, Spain, with a, <clears throat> a guy on my team. Jeremy Rebick is his name. He's actually from the Sioux. And uh, we were supposed to be there for five days, ended up being there for like eight or nine days, because what happened was that's when those volcanoes erupted in Iceland. Right, right. So all, all air travel was banned everywhere. So what they were doing was they were getting people off this island by these big boats, big ships or whatever, because I couldn't, you know, no one was allowed to fly. So I was stuck on this island for like nine days. So that's the only good story I got for you, Charlie. So was my that, trip ended up. Was it a good thing my, to be stuck there? I mean, I would think that out of all the places you could be stuck, that'd be a great place to be. But, you know, also, if you want, if you're there for, you're planning for five days and then you're stuck there for twice that long, yeah, maybe it's not <laughs> the best. No, it, it was good. So what happens is when you book through a travel agency, you have like some sort of insurance, right? So you, your trip, you go for your trip. And then if you got to stay for like an emergency, such as you can't get off the island, they start covering you for a couple nights here and there. And then I think they covered three nights and I had to pay for the fourth one on my own or something like that. So yeah, they don't keep paying for it while you're stuck there. So at that point, it's like, okay, now it's time to get off this island. Things are getting pretty expensive. <laughs> way, uh, Jimmy Rebick played two games for the Admirals. In I thought games. he did, yeah, yeah. because uh, a friend of mine's last name is Rebeck, spelled the same but pronounced differently, and he bought uh, or she bought her dad his jersey, a tie-dye jersey uh, that we wore that year. Um, he bought that for him for Christmas or something like that. Listen so. to this, no way. Yeah. North American, uh, this North American uh, influence here, though. Kelsey – uh, Ryan Duncan was a Hobie Baker winner at North Dakota, I believe. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Filewich, uh, Steve yep. Peter, 
uh, Doug Lynch. I think all three of those guys played for Peoria at one time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they did. Uh, and the goalie was David Lenefew. So yeah. that's that's pretty pretty solid North it's pretty American solid AHL uh, guys there. Yeah, that's pretty good. You guys are all thrown into the, kind of the same situation. That's pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, you know what? And we all weren't like we all weren't super skilled guys. Like none of those guys are super skilled. Just kind of like just you know they were good guys. Just we just but just the team. We just gelled. We just gelled right that year. And uh, and yeah, we won it all. It was I was always it was always you know Charlie had mentioned about the timing and your career and all of that stuff go over there. I was always a little envious of it because I I've said this so many times that. To, to have the chance to travel the world, no matter how old you are, if you get a chance to travel the world and somebody's going to pay, pay you for it, I, I'm, I'm envious of that. I think that's pretty special. Charlie, that's why, or sorry, Aaron, that's why I said uh, earlier in this interview, I have no regrets, like zero no. regrets in my life. I've, you know, I've had a lot of fun. I've been to so many different places. I'm, I'm 34. I'm in the second chapter of my life. I, I enjoyed the first half. Uh, playing hockey, traveling, loved it. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. The only thing is I wish I could have played a couple NHL games and it didn't happen, and, but that's okay. That is okay. This is, uh, I mean, this is a, an Admirals podcast, uh, a Milwaukee Admirals podcast. So when you think back in your time in Milwaukee, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, awesome people just the people of Milwaukee I could go I could go anywhere I could go out for dinner I could go you know to a bar I could go to the mall I could go anywhere and I was always felt welcome I didn't feel I didn't feel out of place i the people of Wisconsin are just very welcoming so yeah great people do you remember the first time you may have gone out and uh, were recognized oh Mm, not really not really no do you have do you have a story on that no i don't <laughs> okay <laughs> just curious because, because no, it's, I, I, it, it's I, I, unbelievable I, the the accessibility that people have and uh i guess i do sort of have a story because when colton sissons was here on a on, he was sent down on a rehab assignment a little earlier this season um mm -hmm. colton had to get a prescription uh, at the at the pharmacy in uh, in the mall down um, just south of downtown there. And it's uh, it's been about? it's been five years since or four oh, years yeah. since he played with us. He yeah. went in to get this prescription at the Walgreens, and the girl behind the counter says, "Oh my God, you you're Colton Sissons, you you know all of this stuff." And it I, and I watched you in Milwaukee. I have your jersey. I have. I'm a huge. Fan. I named I named my son after you. Her son's no name was Colton. Way. That's yes. true. So oh yeah, so I mean that that kind of that's like one of those whoa that's that's pretty crazy so so it's not necessarily a story involving that you is pretty crazy. but it is yeah it is pretty crazy it is pretty crazy you know what Aaron there, there have been times where I guess people would recognize you as like hey you're that guy that plays hockey for the Admirals but I always just downplay it and be like you know what that's just what I do for a living that's just what I do you know what I mean hockey or not I'm the same as everybody else, just a you normal have, guy. Did you have a lot of friends outside of the, the locker room here? I guess being I here did. four years, you yeah. off to. Yeah, it, would, it helps the sanity. I did, I did. I, I, I dated the odd girl here and there, too, for a couple months here and there. And, and so I got to know some locals, for sure. Um, and, yeah, it does help with the sanity, for sure. 
Yeah. Do you, in your time in Milwaukee, do you have a, 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 not a favorite, but a memorable scrap? I mean, you were a fan favorite. Uh, you've got a very, obviously a very gregarious, outgoing personality, and that helps a ton. But fans are drawn to the goal scorers and the fighters. And, and you did score some goals, including the, one of the most, you know, one of Aaron's best calls uh, that night with mm-hmm. a, a white suit. But then you also mm-hmm. got some good scraps. Uh, so do you have, a, not necessarily a favorite, but a couple memorable ones that you like, oh, yeah, that was a good one, where you either gave it to him good, you got it good, or, or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, there's one scrap that comes to mind. It was in Milwaukee, and I think we were playing, like, the Calgary Flames farm team. I don't know if it was Quad City or Omaha, and there was this little guy on the team. I want to say his last name was, like, Banks or something of that nature. Carter Gosh, Banks. I can't even... Carter, Banks. Carter Banks. Okay, C-A-N-C- yes, that's the name. Yes, yeah, CKS, yeah. So... He was running, he was chasing me around, chasing me around either earlier in the game or the night before, and I just had enough. I said, you know what, let's go. So off the one draw, we square up, we dance around for a bit, and I remember I hit him, pow, right square in the nose, and his nose exploded. So when I came back to hit him the second time, blood flew from his nose into my mouth. So I'm (laughs) eating his blood now. So I remember that game. So now I'm fighting this guy. Blood's going in my face, and it's all his blood. I go to the locker room after, and I'm like, what the hell do we – what do we do from here, Eggs? Like, where do I go from here, Eggsy? Do I go get a test or something? So I can't remember exactly what happened, but but I remember that one was a pretty good scrap. The fans got pumped up, and, uh, and yeah, that was a fun one. You mentioned – real quick, Doug Agnew. Um, You guys spend probably more time with him than maybe anybody when you think about it, right? At least when you're at work, you probably spend more time with Doug Agnew, Dave Randolph, Jeff Maxwell, those guys than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, Eggs is one of the best guys you could ask for to be be your equipment manager or trainer. uh, Sorry, your trainer. He's just one of the best guys to have. He's knowledgeable. He's always around. He's smart. He's personable. And uh, and he's funny, man, and uh, and he's he's just great. He's just awesome. Uh, he's a big he's a big reason why the team has success. I'll tell you that as well. He's he's another big reason why the team has a lot of success. Because I mean, Aaron and I have had him on the podcast twice because he's like the therapist. He's not even a therapist. He's just a fly in the wall. Like all the guys go into the locker room and they start talking about what happened last Friday night or last Sunday psych on Psycho Sunday, and Doug's just taking it all in. And just filing it away in the old and in, in the old uh, old uh, Rolodex in, in in his mind to tell the stories later, and he's got some good ones. He showed up for our second podcast with a list of with every notes. player with notes, with notes a yeah. list of every player that played for us, and he's and he's just writing down notes. And luckily for you, Willie, he didn't say he didn't have any uh, didn't have any anything juicy on you, but he had some. We didn't, get to, we didn't get to the W's in that one, yeah. <laughs> no, no. If, if we had 10 oh, hours, he would have for sure. Oh, gosh. If that guy writes a book after his career, it would sell. Oh, gosh. <laughs> for, I mean, just the stories he has of people that are still in the Milwaukee community, and there's not a lot yeah. of them, but so, uh, it, there's some, you know, definitely some, you know, raunchy stuff that, uh, that has occurred uh, over yeah. the years. <laughs> We've, we've talked a lot about the time in Milwaukee um, and then finishing in Toronto, um, actually finishing overseas again. But uh, 
you played for a, a really short time for that San Francisco team. So when I think about it, you've played in some great buildings, but I think that San Francisco team for the short time they existed, they played in the Cow Palace, didn't they? One of these legendary cow, legendary buildings, right? Yeah, legendary. It's like a rodeo stadium. It's yeah, like an old, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's pretty cool, man. It was a pretty cool place to play. Uh, it was unfortunate that uh, I was only there for nine games, but they really weren't playing me much there, and it was time to move on. I got traded to Trenton. I spent four more games there, and then I was back overseas in Nottingham. Um, but, yeah, the Cow Palace was wild. Yeah, well, the nine games you played in San Francisco, they probably existed another three games anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> they weren't – unfortunately, they weren't around that long. Um, no. And then go, going to Nottingham – the English audience for hockey. When we think of England, we think of Wimbledon, we think of soccer, we don't think of hockey. What is it like to go to over to over to the over to England to Great Britain and play hockey? It's uh, it's 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 pretty incredible. Uh, like the fans are super loud. They cheer just like you would hear in a soccer stadium. So you know they go around and they have their chants and and uh, they got the one section where the guys banging on a drum and they're singing their. They're singing their chants and whatnot. Same thing happens over there in the crowd. Um, and same thing happens also in Austria as well. Very similar over there. The European mentality, the English mentality, when it comes to cheering on sports teams, they just get right into it, man. They get super into it. They're loud, loud, loud. And yeah, it's good atmosphere. Is, did, they, did you fight much? Do they, is there a lot of fighting in the, in, in, in the English uh, league? Uh, I did. I did fight a few times. I think I, I didn't. I didn't scrap as much over there. Um, I think I might have, might have had six or seven the one year with Nottingham, and then maybe five with Coventry. But uh, I only played like twenty or thirty games with each team. I didn't. I didn't play a full season. Right. I, I went to both teams partway through, just to finish off uh, both seasons. So you mentioned uh, a little bit before what you're doing now. Um, it, it, it looks, I and mean, we're we're lucky to see you as we're doing this. But it it looks it looks like you're you're doing well. You look good. You look uh, you look healthy. You look happy. It's it's good to see you, man. Really good to see you. Yeah. Well, thanks, Aaron. I, I I'm doing okay. I just uh, I just recently bought uh, bought a house. It closes on August 31st. Nice. Congratulations. For you to look this happy while you're waiting to close on a house says a lot about what kind of positive attitude. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I had a bit about – life hasn't always been easy, Aaron, as you know. It hasn't been easy for me. I, I had a previous relationship that didn't, that, that didn't pan out, so I bought and sold a house with that relationship. So, I mean, you always lose money in that. And now I'm bought this one on my own, so I've got a job. I got no kids at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm still single and just, uh, I'm just, yeah. Just do you get out? Of, real, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Charlie. I was going to say, do you get out on the rink much? You mentioned you were, a, you had a, you hosted a camp, but uh, do you are you do you skate at all? Do you play in an old man's league? So I do. Yeah, we play men's league. Obviously, got cut short last year because of COVID. Uh, and I was helping, I was helping coach a junior eight year two team in the Sioux two years ago. Um, but I took the last uh, year and a half off of, uh, of coaching and that just had to get a few things tied up in my personal life. And, uh, I'm going to get back into it again though. I, I like helping out. I like coaching kids and, uh, and yeah, but I play men's league hockey in the winter, men's league softball in the summer, but 
both of those are put on hold right now because of COVID. Yeah. Real quick, and I'm getting a little personal here, but Kelsey is one of my favorites, and there's there's many reasons, but one of them um, is from that 10-11 season, his last in Milwaukee. Uh, my my first wife had passed a couple of years earlier, and I'd been, well, I'm depressed my whole life, but, but Kelsey and Grant Lewis took me out and showed me a good time. They took me to dinner. They wanted to take me to a gentleman's club. They wanted to, they wanted to do a, a, a big night. And we did the dinner. That was about it. I went home after that. But, but it, it was pretty special because there aren't uh, – being the broadcaster, there aren't a lot of times where you get to fraternize a lot with a lot of the players in that way. So it, that was always pretty special to me. So thank you. Hey, anytime, Aaron. <laughs> well, let's do it. Let's All right. yeah, write let's... it down right now. Let's to Milwaukee, or I'll come up to the Sioux, and we'll 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 have dinner, and it'll be uh, it'll be great. Done, done. All right. Well, if COVID didn't hit, I'd I'd be coming down there right now uh, to to visit uh, this Milwaukee. I I talked to Fordo and Yonks earlier when we did that podcast, and yeah. I I want to make my way down there as soon as possible. But the uh, border's closed. Yeah, we, when it opens back up, we would we would love to have you. Uh, yeah, we we celebrated our fiftieth season last year, as you may or may not have known. Still and celebrating it. Yeah, still did, ce- yeah. still yeah. celebrating yeah. it. And uh, you're a like we said, you're a fan favorite, and we'd love to get you back. The reception for you would be phenomenal. Yep. Um, I would love to come back someday. Well, we will make it happen. Mark my words. Uh, mark the tape. As they say in the business, right, right. we will we will make it happen. We'll get you back here for a uh, we'll for a weekend, know. Willie. We 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 hope we hope that the uh, little boxer dog is uh, is found here. Maybe it's been found by the in the time that we've been talking on this thing here. So hopefully everything is yeah. Uh, all the best. all the best. Thanks, Kelsey. Thanks, Aaron. Wills, thank you so much for your time Thanks. and uh, and good luck with the dog hunt. Thanks, Charlie. See you later. All right, that's uh, former Admiral, all-time uh, AHL penalty minutes leader, yep. Kelsey Wilson, joining us. Uh, for Charlie Larson, I'm Aaron Sims. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admiral podcast.